Just as a quick reminder, we are going to organize the podcast by sections. First, we'll follow up with past commitments and then give a brief overview of the new topic for just a few minutes. We'll make sure to include resources and references to the information that we researched for this episode in the show notes. If this happens to be a topic that you aren't familiar with, those will be a good starting place in learning more. And then when you're feeling sufficiently frustrated, not knowing what to do next with the information you just learned, you can return and listen to the rest of the podcast episode. The rest of each episode will be geared towards discussion around what to do next with the information you just learned about this specific topic. And then we'll finish off with a commitment for us to focus on for the next week. Hi, I'm Kylie. And I'm Soraya. And welcome to... But, but now, now what? The podcast that took 14 episodes to tell you why we started recording. We just had to keep you in suspense a little bit. Okay, so that intro was like different, a little <laughs> laggy. We were not as in sync because we're not in person. It's another first for us today. We are recording via the Anchor app. Which I am so glad we can do. Shout out to Anchor for making this possible for us. Um, but also does feel really different to not be in person with you. Kind of I bittersweet. Know. I'm glad that technology is able to connect us still. But Why can't we be sitting so close to each other on our beds with a chair propped up in front of our face? And a blanket for around us. Because that has been our typical yeah. recording format. I know. Our vibe is off. Um <laughs> But on on the topic of vibes being off, we're actually not going to start with a but now what moment today. You know, usually we start an episode by talking uh, about a but now what moment that either of us have had or a listener has had this last week. And instead, we think that it's a good time for us to talk about some of our life updates. Um, we have had a lot of things going on and some of them are going to slightly affect the, affect the podcast, but not drastically. Never, never you worry. Yeah, don't uh, stress. So Kylie, why don't you go first? What's new with you and how are you feeling this week? Okay, I'm glad I'm going first only because I know that my life updates are significantly more lame than yours are. Nope. So I wouldn't want to go after you. But um, first off, sorry that we were missing last week. Um, I ended up having the most horrific flu experience ever. Um, I... <laughs> This is my luck. This is this is my luck in a nutshell. I had bought tickets to Billie Eilish. I was super excited. I think I spent about $250 on these tickets. Ooh. And I tell you that only because, of course, about 30 minutes before I left to drive up, I started feeling kind of sick. And I was like, you know what? It's fine. I'm sure maybe I just ate something kind of bad, but like, I'm sure it'll pass. Um, I'm driving up with two friends and the whole way up, I'm like, okay, it's getting, it's getting a little bit worse, but we're, we're hanging in there. Um, and the second I step out of my car, running straight to a trash can, um, uh-huh. which, uh, proceeded <laughs> about, uh, three hours, uh, vomiting <laughs> from the arena <laughs> that I was at and, I the only bits of Billie Eilish that I got to hear were from the bathroom. So that was my really fun time at Billie Eilish. Um, last time I got tickets to her show too was awful. So I'm thinking that's maybe just a cursed concert, and I and I shouldn't. No, go. that makes me so sad. 
And I do it was love following her. a weekend where you were cleaning up someone else's vomit. So <laughs> that's probably where I got it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Last time ever that I'll try to, to be a good friend. Um, no, but I, <laughs> besides the flu, um, I know I mentioned a couple weeks ago that I was starting a new job. So really my biggest update is just that my new job has been so fun. And now that I have adjusted fully, I'm realizing how much stress I was carrying at my last job because I'm feeling a lot better. But it's Mm -hmm. also going to be different because um, with this new job, I'm going to be able to travel a lot more, some for work um, and then some because I work for a short-term rental company. And so I can get some discounts on other hotels and apartments. So I'm going to be traveling a lot and be on the road. Um, So yeah, maybe. And as we are recording virtually, um, I'll have to keep everyone updated where I'm recording from. Hopefully recording from Chicago. And then two weeks later, I am recording recording from New York. Okay, never mind. I'm not gonna do that because now that it now that you're saying it, I'm realizing that would sound super annoying. So <laughs> I won't put anything to that. Nothing okay, you do could but be But your annoying. turn to give a much more exciting update. Okay, well, first of all, I'm really glad that you're feeling better. And I am of course ecstatic about how great this job has been for you. It's the best. Um, since our last episode. Caleb, my partner, has matched into the Mayo Clinic Psychiatry Residency, which means that we are moving to Minnesota. So (laughs) if any of you are from Minnesota or you have been, please send all of your favorite things to do there. Um, We also put an offer on a house, and so we would be first-time homeowners, which is so exciting. It's exciting and also so much worse than anyone ever told me. Okay, what are the All worst the parts? Is gone at this point, <laughs> but we are still getting things finalized right now. Um, and that in itself is stressing me out. Um, so other than that, I've been applying to scholarships like crazy because, uh, yeah, buying a house is expensive, moving is expensive, uh, medical school is expensive. So why am I doing grad school? Great question. Um, Why don't you tell us? <laughs> um, I am excited for grad school. I have actually done some things uh, preparing for it this fall, and I just registered for all my classes. So done deal. It's happening. I'm glad you were finally able to register. I know I was I was borrowing your computer when you were supposed to be registering, and I felt so bad. Um, it's- but I finally got your computer back to you, so you could actually sign up for classes. Um, but now that I you're also all- real. Oh, sorry. Well, no, I was going to say now that you're all signed up, um, is the excitement still um, bigger than the nerves, or like how are you feeling? I think I am at the excitement phase now. I did like a little Zoom session with a group of students who are further along than I am. So I was the only one that is going in for their first semester this fall. And they were um, encouraging me to just like take this time to be really happy and zen because the first semester is really crazy. Um, But there are things that I can do to mitigate that. And um, I actually don't have practicum my first semester. I was thinking that I was going to have to like schedule that all prior to moving to Minnesota. So that is kind of a relief. Um, That's huge. So exciting. First day of classes. Oh my gosh. Okay. So tell us now, mm-hmm. how is all of these big, exciting life changes going to affect the podcast and its structure? Ooh, great question. So, um, 
we are going to do bike weekly episodes now. So you don't get the pleasure of hearing from us every Friday. We're so sorry. Every other Friday now, but still for 30 to 60 minutes. And everything else is going to be the same, except that what is the additional thing we're doing, Kylie? We are also going to start doing bonus episodes. I was looking at you like, that's the, that's the thing we're talking about, right? Yeah. Okay, we are we're also going to start doing bonus episodes through Patreon, just in case you can't get enough of us, um, since we're so fun. You can also subscribe to us on Patreon. We'll have that all set up um, here in the next couple of days, and we'll post about it. Um, and then Ooh, you'll be able was, to get some... very confident of you. Okay, I'm trying to we're make more... We're going to figure it out in the next couple of days. <laughs> um okay but you also know that anything that I say like add like three more days to that because um I always am a little bit overconfident so not the worst thing I could be but one of one of the worst things when you're when you're trying to work with someone on a project so sorry about that no not at all and also I'm already proud of us for figuring out this virtual recording session was thinking this was going to be a lot harder yeah so far so good but we we haven't listened back so let's hope it's not a mess oh yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I was just barely listening to a podcast episode yesterday from one of my favorite podcasters. And they mentioned at the very beginning of the episode, they're like, so this is my second time recording. The first time I recorded this episode, I recorded a 60 minute episode without realizing that there was a bug in the audio and the whole thing was ruined. And I had to record the entire hour episode. No! And I was like, that is my worst nightmare. So uh, that's why we do it in chunks, uh, just yep. to make sure that we're not you know recording anything for an hour that that is mm-hmm. garbage speaking of chunks oh no <laughs> oh no it's too soon i <laughs> i'm not ready to relive the, uh... um, let's do some commitment follow-up yeah oh yeah okay yeah great great shifting gears okay perfect yeah so i know it's been a couple weeks since our last podcast episode um thank you the flu so i think we'll be needing a refresher on the commitments that we made in our last episode so To recap, um, in our last episode, we were talking about the gender pay gap and factors that do contribute to inequalities between the pay of men and women. We talked about both some individual solutions and some ideas for larger structural changes. Um, And we challenged listeners to find creative solutions. Um, Again, calling out sexism in the workplace could be one, holding businesses who are, you know, who you're a part of or associated with to like a higher level of transparency um, in their pay and promotion policies could be another um, or just to evaluate your own career goals and kind of determine how um, those ideas of gender might have played a part in the development of your own goals and, and desires. So Soraya, how did this challenge go for you? Well, the only external things that I have been able to do recently were within my resident assistant role and in my family. Um, I had talked with my supervisor about feminism um, about a year ago. And um, when I talked with them last time, they said that they weren't a feminist, which shocked me just based on like the things that they are passionate about and um, active in. And so I kind of pushed back on the definition that she had in her mind that she had been told what feminism was. And since then she has truly embraced that label and her journey of championing equality in the community. So I followed up with her and asked what things are in place with university housing to promote gender equality and pay. And um, I've also spent some time doing a lot of inward evaluation in these past few weeks, especially with, you know, those scholarship applications, because a lot of times they will ask 
questions about gendered experience and hardship and things like that. So I don't have more to elaborate or divulge in more now. I'm so sorry, but I would love to hear about your experience, Kylie. No, absolutely. And, and I was going to say, um, I'm very intrigued to hear how often people do have a very misconstrued definition of feminism. Um, this was especially apparent. I just barely was watching one of um, the TikTok videos from, have you heard of the Black Menaces? I love them. Yes. Okay. Yeah. They're so great. I'm still off TikTok, but I made Kayla follow them. They're incredible. <laughs> they are yeah. so great. So um, if you don't, if you don't know, this group is um, at BYU. So they're current BYU students um, and they're all part of the Black Student Union there. And they are creating waves of change by like asking people on campus questions that are kind of getting um, conversations started and one of their last videos was asking, asking several yeah, if they're yeah. Feminist. and oh my gosh I think like two or three of the responses were like I'm not sure what that is I have to look more into it and I was like what like Ugh. how do you I was infuriated by the people that were just like no full stop <laughs> full stop although I was shocked because they did another one that was like and this is, I'm, I'm on a tangent now, but like the pro-choice versus pro-life video. Oh, um, and I was very shocked by how, how many open-minded responses there were. So this is good. This is good. Mm-hmm. There's, we're, we're pushing towards at least um, more conversation, if not, yes. um, you know, a greater, deeper understanding for those individuals who've never thought about this. So mm-hmm. um, I also had done like a lot of internal reflection um, in the last couple of weeks. I know within the last couple weeks, I've also had a chance to talk to some of the people um, that haven't listened to our podcast yet about the podcast. And I kind of like used this episode as a segue to introduce the podcast. Oh, um, nice. Gave me kind of a fun opportunity to just chat with them through what I, what stood out to me in the research that we did for that episode. And uh, because all the numbers and data were like fresh in my mind, I felt like I was really ready to engage in that conversation in a way that I probably couldn't have before. And that also made me excited. But more than that, I kind of also been confronted with the concept of gender, like in the workplace in a different way than I have been previously, especially because I'm the only woman on my new team and it's a small team. There's only three of us. Um, But I definitely felt a little bit weird going into that situation, just knowing that, like, um, because I am the only woman on the team, that um, I was worried there would be chances that I had to take to um, make the rest of my team, like, take me more seriously. Or prove yourself. Yeah, I was a little bit worried about that feeling. Honestly, it's been been great. There there really hasn't been any issue at all. But um, I did, one of my coworkers made a comment the other day about how, um they're like Kylie you always are so put together you always like are dressed up all nice like why do you do that like we work from home yeah we should take a screenshot of us right now on FaceTime like Kylie you look amazing no stop but why why do I get ready why do I get ready for work from home and like I had to like confront this idea too of like oh I'm realizing that like I do that and I wake up way earlier than I should to get ready for work and to put on a nice outfit, even though I'm working from home, um, just so that I can feel like I can be taken more seriously. And 
that's not a feeling that I want to have. Like I want, I want people to like respect me and take me seriously regardless of, you know, whether I show up in a blazer and my hair is curled or whether I'm like just in my sweats um, and a t-shirt. So I'm going to kind of think a little bit more on that. I feel like there's more to why I do that. Um, Yeah, for sure. Just knowing you and like how hard working from home has been, I can assume that the act of like getting ready and, um, you know, waking up so that you look different than how you did when you woke up out of bed um, can help you feel like you're not just in your home working there all day. Absolutely. Definitely. It kind of gives me a sense of normalcy and also encourages me to leave the house as much as I can. Um, And (laughs) I just really was telling you that I'm like, oh, I finally get like lunch breaks at my new job, which is so great. I've been like using my lunch break every day (laughs) to like... (laughs) eat lunch yeah it's been amazing amazing Um, and it's called it's called lunch break yeah yeah it's called lunch break I get one every every day yeah every single day in the afternoon so um anyway so I'm reminding myself that um basically just like I I need to like still do more self-reflection and that dismantling like sexism and um obviously again we're talking specifically um regarding pay um and disparities in pay but I think that so often that disparity does start with our own beliefs about women and their place and men in their place um and how gender is this kind of defining characteristic that determines someone's value and abilities and and destiny (laughs) and um I'm just realizing like more and more how like it's not just that um men hold discouraging beliefs about women but oftentimes women hold discouraging beliefs about themselves and so that's something that I'm going to I know we've referenced this song before on our podcast um but in folklore the Taylor Swift song um (laughs) where she is talking about how uh women do your dirtiest work for you too like yeah like Uh uh-huh it's so ingrained in in our society that even women um, do this to themselves or do this to other women so great point absolutely this is already my favorite episode because folklore has already come up in the first 15 minutes so I just want to start by saying that we are going to talk today about a book that is a little bit controversial mm-hmm. um, not a banned book <laughs> but definitely one that people have opinions on I have friends who have loved this book and friends who have hated it and you may be one of those people who hated it you're entitled you... to your own wrong opinion. Absolutely. <laughs> I was going to say, we don't shame you, but... Oh, okay. No, we don't shame you. <laughs> um, you're going to learn Kylie and I's attitude towards this book, but I just wanted to encourage you, as always, to have an open mind, and perhaps it was the writing style of this book or the overarching message of the book that you didn't like. I think that it can still affect you in a positive way. So that's my little preface. And I, yeah, I hope it does affect you in a positive way. Um, and before we get like too deep into the the episode topic and introducing the book, I also just wanted to take a moment to do a little bit of reflection on our experience podcasting so far, because interestingly enough, we actually initially recorded this as our first podcast episode. Uh, it feels like a different life ago. It was probably like six months ago. Um, I remember being crazy. Isn't that crazy? I think it was like yeah. last October. Yeah. Um, I just remember being so nervous the day that we were recording this and the nerves were definitely showing. Our audio is so shaky, shakier than it is today, which I know is shocking. Um, and we definitely just hadn't found like our groove yet, but I just wanted to talk through kind of like 
why we didn't post the episode then and then why we're choosing to re-record it now yeah this was an excellent episode for us to get a feel for how to talk with each other and how to record clips um when we had recorded that first episode do you remember that we just did one long clip <laughs> it, was it was such a bad idea it was so bad um it was so bad uh, that eventually we deemed it unsalvable unsalvageable you got it Un- yeah unsalvageable um so that's why we didn't end up posting it initially for everyone um it just was kind of like a good practice for us however we are returning to that same topic now because it um, is a really great way for us to round out our first 14 episodes with the reason that we wanted to start podcasting in the first place. So here we are. And we're glad to be here. <laughs> um, I uh, am just going to tell you a little bit about the history, the history of how things got started. Um, and that is when uh, I read Glennon Doyle's Untamed book in the beginning of 2020. Um, it kind of led the inspiration to create this podcast um that's because glennon doyle talks a lot about ignoring her knowing um and what that entails we're going to talk about that today but i felt like i had been ignoring my own knowing for many years and annoying for anyone that hasn't read untamed is the source of your inspiration it's like that gut feeling that you have that warns you and comforts you um, as you learn new information It's a really uh, liberating experience, which maybe is the reason that it's a controversial read because so much of that hinges on the knowing. Um, But the book brought me a powerful realization. Um, It just didn't help me to know what to do next with that knowledge and quote knowing going forward. So after reading that, I just kind of felt stuck and heavy with emotions and information. I didn't know how to process or to progress and as you guys know, hopefully by now, this podcast isn't meant to be a how-to of what to do next. Instead, it's just meant to offer ideas and insights in ways that you can move forward after learning hard and powerful information. And that was kind of the gap that we were trying to fill, Mm -hmm. um, Carly and I, after having this knowing experience um, of crucial information, but like, where do I go with that? What changes? Um, So that's a little history do you want to share your early experience reading untamed kylie i will say so you were the one who introduced me to untamed and um again the summer of 2020 and of course there's so much change already going on um about (laughs) i was supposed to graduate about um what was it like a month and a half after COVID hit? Yeah, that's um, right. and so the last like little bit of my school was all remote. Um, I was working a job that was tough and going through a breakup, and there was just like so much about that summer that oh, I just never want to relive it. But mm-hmm. I remember specifically that um, my family, my sweet family, had told me like for my birthday, my birthday's in July. And they had told me that um, they wanted to go on a road trip out to the Pacific Northwest because um, that's my favorite place Sorry, in the I'm world. <laughs> okay. Again, do remember how we talked about how I have horrible luck. So we broke down on the way <laughs> to Oregon, <clears throat> which was crazy because we're driving like the only reliable car that anyone in my family owns. We're like, okay, for sure. We'll be fine. Nope. We break down in the middle of the Nevada desert. 
We were like hours from a town and we had to wait to get towed and it was the middle of July and it was so hot. Um, And so much about this trip was a train wreck. But um, on the way there, I was reading Untamed and um, I still remember like a couple like really poignant parts of the book where like I remember where I was sitting or like where we were driving through while we were reading it because it just had hit me so hard. Mm -hmm. Um, I felt like this summer... Again, I was I had just graduated and I had spent so many years at BYU where um again, if you're not familiar, it is a school that's owned by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and everything about <clears throat> the school and the religion are are pretty intertwined. Um I also grew up in the church and so that was a very critical part of who I was and um had been raised to be and I felt like I was at like this crucial point in my life where my faith and my personal like convictions and beliefs were kind of diverging and I wasn't sure what to make of that. And it was kind of like equal parts exciting and terrifying because I felt like I was growing in all these really exciting ways. And also I was growing in all these ways that I wasn't these directions I wasn't supposed to be going in. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think this book was the beginning of me recognizing that, you know, listening to my own voice and my own knowledge or impressions um, is really the only way that I can like maintain, um, a sense of being true to myself. And, um, this also kind of allowed me to rethink what I had always thought was selfish, which was like, like relying heavy on your own desires and your own wishes and wants. I'd always been taught that like, that was a selfish thing to do, but I really started moving away from that into like the space of, oh, well, the things that I want are not inherently selfish and it's a choice and it's okay to consider what I want in life. And that's okay if it's different than what people around me want or have taught me to want. Um, So, ooh, this was like a really big turning point. Um, So yeah, that was kind of like when I started reading the book. Um, I know she starts with a story um, and it's about how she took her little girls to the zoo Um, And this kind of like will provide a little bit of framework for the rest of our episode. But Mm -hmm. she takes her girls to the zoo and sees one of the zookeepers open up the cage for the cheetah and let it go. And you would expect if you're going to open a cage and the cheetah is going to come out that it's going to go crazy, potentially, you know, cause some harm. Um, But this cheetah had been taught to basically just do a trick, which was chasing like this bunny attached to like a like a car and Mm -hmm. cheetah never can catch the bunny always like just out of reach um but once it does like this trick then it's rewarded with a stake and um glennon makes the point that you know that um you know naturally in its natural state the cheetah would have been a lot more wild um and maybe quicker to act on their like gut instinct but they've been Mm -hmm. taught to basically just perform um for a a cheering crowd and so we'll kind of set up the the podcast episode in giving you that um, and and letting you know that like the questions that Glenn wants us to talk through are like, what ways have we been teamed, especially as women to like forget our wilds or the things mm-hmm. that are inherently true to us? And then what cages exist for us? One part of that opening story she shares that also stood out so strongly to me is that um when they are training the cheetah to become a tamed 
cheetah in a zoo they introduce um a friend to the cheetah and it mm-hmm. is i think a lab dog um and they the zookeeper says like they're best friends and they do everything together and they essentially want the dog to model behavior that they want the cheetah to do mm-hmm. um but there is like this moment where glennon is is watching the interaction the trick like you're seeing kylie and um sees that the cheetah like has this wild in her eyes and then the moment passes and she's back to being like docile untamed um and so yeah it made me think right from the beginning like oh what are moments where like my wild shows through or my unwillingness to follow modeled behavior that is meant to keep me you know in line and doing things that people in society like a zookeeper want me to do yeah so I love that opening story I'm glad you shared it so good um before we talk about some specific cages Kylie I would love to talk about one specific passage from the book that I think is a key takeaway for our discussion and for our challenges later on um the passage is Glenn says do I truly want any of this or is this what I was conditioned to want how much do you think one's decision making is based on other people's expectations? What's the balance between forging your own path and listening to advice from others? Or does that balance exist? And I think that that is, you know, what I was kind of referencing with the, the lab or retriever dog mm-hmm. friend to the cheetah. Um, so to me, and then I want to hear your opinion on this, but to me, this lays hand in hand with so many of the topics that we've explored this year already. Um, it helps me to ask the question, why do I think the way that I do? Is this my own thought or want, or am I being influenced by others? Evaluating and reflecting on my answers can help me make decisions with my education and career aspirations, job opportunities or dating. Not so much, I guess, for me now, (laughs) but like family planning and friend groups, family relationships, vacations, or even like material positions that I really want to have in my life. So I've asked myself this question in a myriad of situations these past two years, and sometimes I'm not honest with myself and it hurts later. Sometimes I am honest and it still hurts and it's hard in the moment, but overall I feel like my life is more satisfying since asking that question. What has been your experience Mm. with that question, Kylie? I agree. Yeah, I think we're, and I know we're going to talk a lot more about how gender plays a part in this, but I think this quote especially was applicable as I've untangled a lot of my messy beliefs um, that I once held about women and their purpose. And it was really hard to confront ways that, you know, those held beliefs about the inferiority of women had also infiltrated into like every aspect of my life. I felt like I had really shortchanged myself in so many regards because deep down I thought like my womanhood quote unquote was somehow, um, should somehow tell me the things that I want and the desires that I should have and that any desire I had needed to be in line with like traditional female wants and needs. So Mm -hmm. like, for example, I remember going to one of my close friends weddings and I was standing outside with my mom while they were taking pictures. And I remember turning to my mom and I just looked at her and I said, I never want to get married. And Mm -hmm. she was like, so caught off guard by that. And I remember her even saying something to me. She's like, well, like your only reference to marriage is like people that you've dated and like the people that you've dated, if they haven't worked out, then of course, like your reference is like a negative one. Like you're thinking about like, what would it be like to be married to people who weren't for you, you know? Mm -hmm. 
which could be true. But also I remember in that moment feeling this, the beginning of the sense that like, it was okay also for me to think about desires that I had that weren't in line with what I'd been told I should want. Mm -hmm. Um, And that it was okay to just allow myself to like change my mind. Um, And that if in that moment I was like, I never want to get married, maybe 10 years down the road, I would change my mind and I would decide I want to get married someday. Like that's a desire I have. Um, But rather than continuing to just go in line with what everyone else said should make me happy, I've had the chance to make choices that fall more in line with what brings me genuine joy and excitement. And a lot of this inner reflection and decision making is not easy. But I hope this episode also convinces you that sometimes doing that really hard thing to like make a decision or, or do the reflection about um, what you really want and what those core desires are um, is sometimes the most rewarding but yeah again, it's not it's not easy Ooh, Kylie I couldn't agree more with all of those sentiments and those feelings and I just want to echo the the statement that you said like it's okay to change your mind I don't know why people have like such a hard time with that you change yep. jobs and people are like oh my goodness they're wishy-washy yes. um deciding a major in your undergraduate career so stressful and yeah I just <laughs> good points thank yeah. you for that. I, I tell people still I'm like I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up am I grown up yeah more or less but like I still don't know what I want to do True. um but it's okay it's fun to um it's fun to change and um anyways I know okay so I know that we're going to talk through again um a lot about how some of the cages that Glennon references are those expectations that others hold for us mm-hmm. um and more broadly you know that's what a lot of the cages are but we're also going to talk through some of the specific ones that each of us identified so sorry do you want to go first talking through some of the ones yes okay so I have four different quotes that I want to share um and I'm going to tell you the cage that I feel like it represents either in my life or in the lives of loved ones that I've seen this effect the first cage I want to mention is parenting rules and religion um the quote is when a woman finally learns that pleasing the world is impossible she becomes free to learn how to please herself another quote to go along with that the epitome of womanhood is to lose oneself completely that is the end goal of every patriarchal culture because a very effective way to control women is to convince women to control themselves i lump religion in this one because i feel like uh, a lot of the traditional parenting and gender roles do stem from like a religious cultural background mm-hmm. um, like you can see it in the bible again i know that the bible has been translated so many times and I, I'm not wanting to get myself into a sticky situation or a theological debate with people. I just think in the experiences that I have had with religion or in gender roles, that it has been a cage. Um, second cage is family and friends. Weird, weird one. But um, the quote is, it's not the cruel criticism from folks who, who hate us that scares us away from our knowing. It's the quiet concern of those who loves, love us. Or this life is mine alone. So I have stopped asking people for directions to places they've never been. Both of those hit me so hard, those quotes. Um, And I do think that it is because the people that care about you the most are going to want to insert themselves into your life and help you to make decisions in the best intentioned way. Um, But they're not you. They can't make those decisions for you. And sometimes their perspective actually shifts your feelings towards the whole situation as a whole rather than allowing yourself to make the decision 
So in my mind, a cage. Third cage is humility. Again, super weird. Um, but the quote I want to share is be careful with the stories you tell about yourself. Um, and the reason that I feel like humility can be a cage is because we're ta- we're like told that humility is this pedestal. Like it's the best quality that you can have to be so selfless and humble. Um, especially but- in womanhood. Especially in womanhood. Exactly. I feel like it comes across as tearing yourself down. Like you don't think highly of yourself and wow, that's a strength. And that's sad. If you don't think highly of yourself, then you're going to let other people not think highly of you and walk all over you. Yeah. Fourth and last cage is career slash capitalism slash school. <laughs> um, and the quote is hard work is important. So are play and non-productivity. My worth is tied not to my productivity, but to my existence. I am worthy of rest. This is a big one for me. I feel like I have always had the attitude in school or work that I need to work, work super, super hard, push to the limit for me to feel worthy of being in school or having a job. Um, and so I don't put in a lot of time for rest or self-care or all the things that I really need to exist and live and survive. And um, so, yeah, cage. I love that. Um, and I keep thinking, like, as you're talking to how, like, so many of these things are, they're, they're positive things in our lives, um, which is one of the reasons why it's hard to identify them as a cage, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, thinking through, like, your relationships with family and friends, um, thinking through your role as a parent or um, your role as a student now, like, entering grad school, um, and how these things are all, like, really positive um pieces of the puzzle that makes you who you are and how Mm -hmm. at the same time things can like be part of us and be positive um and also um they can also be impacting us in a way that is restrictive um especially if we are not aware of how they're they're restricting us so I kind of think through a lot of these um cages as like um things that society has created structure around that Um, For example, if you as a human being were to live on a remote island and never have any like social um, constructed um, systems around Mm -hmm. you, right? Like what would your natural gut like instincts tell you? Um, What would your natural desires be? Um, I kind of think about this with like even like food, right? Like if you were like living, you know, off the grid somewhere and you weren't told through like advertisements and marketing, like what food tasted the best or like how much you should be eating or um, what foods you shouldn't eat, you know, or negative foods. Um, What would you actually be drawn to? Like what would your body actually be drawn to eating and what would you actually crave and um, things like this? So anyways, I just think a lot of these things um, it's important to remember like cages, it's not that it's just a negative, right? Because you're not Mm going to just say like, Oh, I guess I'm going to cut out my family. Right. Exactly. Impacting my, um, you know, ability to get in touch with like my, my deep desires. Like, no, of course not. Um, but also making sure that like, um, you're careful about how much weight you're giving to others' opinions or to, um, negative thoughts about yourself if we're talking about humility things like that Mm -hmm. so that's an excellent clarification 
Um, and I'll, it was just also important that I did preface that as well, because one of the, the biggest cages I wanted to reference was related to religion, but I just want to be very careful here in, in explaining again that like cages are not inherently negative um, in that um, how they affect us can be negative. And again, that's why it's, um, that's why we're talking about it. It's important to be aware of how those things could be. Um, that being said, again, it's not to say that like religion is inherently negative um, or bad. So I, w- I was going to talk through a little bit about my own experience um, going through kind of a transition in my own faith, um, because it also kind of mirrored a lot of what, um, Glennon talks about in her book, um, which is that she was living a, um, a life with a very strong, like Christian background and, um, her and her current husband at the time were very active in their local congregation. She was an author and yeah, uh, yeah like a really popular Christian author. Yep. No, that's perfect. Yeah. So yeah, she's, she was, um, evangelical Christian and she had a very interesting experience where, um, you know, she was writing a lot about, um, like marriage advice or like how to like, how to please your man, how to Mm -hmm. like keep your marriage intact. And she was like, she came to a point where she was like, okay, this doesn't actually feel like um, something I can speak to when like, I know that my individual, you know, personal circumstances are such that like, I'm having trouble in my relationship. So how mm-hmm. am I going to like, preach to everyone else that like, all you need is God to just get through your your tough times, um, when that isn't holding true to me. And so she does um, end up kind of stepping away from um, that relationship, she her and her husband end up getting divorced. Um, and she leaves the evangelical church. Um, and obviously a lot of big changes, life changes. And she ends up meeting Abby, who's her current partner and her and Abby talk a lot about religion. And, and that is kind of like a common thread through the book as well, um, about how Abby's experiences, um, within a, um, structured religious faith, um, were really negative and how, um, Glennon has held a lot of things um, really, I would say, like, sacred or, or close to her heart from, like, a lot of um, the religious upbringing that she had. So they had very different experiences, um, but also in her communication with Abby, a lot of what they're doing is, like, um, kind of breaking down ways that um, the idea of God or a um, higher power have also taught us that sometimes our voice isn't isn't as important as um maybe voices around us and particularly like religious leaders so um glennon at one point says the thing that gets me thinking or questioning the most is a leader who warns me not to think and question often the internal voice telling us who god is and what god approves of is not god it's our indoctrination it's an echo of the voice of a teacher a parent a preacher Re-examine all that you've been told in school or church or in any book and dismiss anything that insults your soul. Oh, and I love that quote so mm-hmm. much. Um, and it, it, it rang so true to me in a time when, um, again, I was, I was struggling because I felt like there was so many aspects of my religious upbringing that were so close to my heart and, and were such a big part of who I was. And at the same time that there was other things that did feel like they were hurting my my soul and my ability to um, be fully myself, my full 
queer, loud and proud self. Um, And this gave me the opportunity to recognize how um, oftentimes the voice telling me that like, I, I was wrong to want different than what I'd been told um, was was true or been told was right, um, was negative. And I was able to say like, nope, I can trust myself to make a decision for myself um, that's right for me. And she talks a lot as well about like learning to trust our bodies. And I would say that this is another cage I've experienced of not recognizing um, my own body cues or the ways that my body does communicate to me. Um, And again, within kind of a spiritual context, um, you know, with my upbringing, I think a lot of times I was taught that like, if I felt something really strongly, that it was like a a prompting or a, um, a guidance from the Holy, Holy Spirit. And that was something that um, I always thought I was always questioning myself. If I have like a a kind thought, was that really from me or was that from the spirit? Right. And the same way when I'd have a negative one, I would think like, okay, is this um, Satan trying to like creep in here? Or is this my body saying creepy Satan, creepy Satan? (laughs) Or is this my body saying like, hey, this thing doesn't sit well with me and this thing isn't resonating. Um, And so she says, your body will tell you things that your mind will talk you out of. I love that quote. Yeah, me too. Um, And so, yeah, just recognizing that like when we feel things deeply and allow our bodies to like experience the full capacity of the the emotions that come with the human experience, um, a lot of times we will soften and um, and as we allow ourselves to feel the pain of um, not only our own experience, but like carrying in, in the sorrow of others' experiences and um, the trials and, and challenges that others face around us, um, that as we become more aware of like the suffering of others around us, that um, our desires to move towards different solutions than we've been told mm-hmm. will also grow. And I think... I think that was kind of a familiar experience that both yes. of us had. Also, right? I yeah, and I feel like this cage of distressing your body can also be extended towards um, the full about the foods we eat, right? I feel yeah. like people oftentimes will talk about cravings as like this negative thing, distrusting what our body wants, um, and there are some religious undertones to that, right? That the your natural body um, is flawed and um, and evil, and that's why you crave ice cream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think that's such a good point that there is so much room for us to learn to trust ourselves better, to learn mm-hmm. to trust our gut and our and our deepest desires. Um, and then. To kind of wrap that up, I think the last um, cage that she mentions that I also have felt very personally is also that of just that we live in a heteronormative society um, where our identities are, again, um, so much wrapped up in socialized expectations of who we should be based in gender, based in um, our sexuality and our class, our status, our race, like so many things that are, are that told should define everything about us and that we are confined to a certain experience because of these things. And um, that can also create 
um, again, a cage that doesn't allow us to see beyond our own um, experience or our own, um, again, socialized um, way of life and that we're, we have to um, learn to see outside of what has been told. Uh, we've been told is normal or regular to say, like, if I want something that's not deemed the norm, um, that's okay. Like, I can move towards a life where, um, you know, people around me might still be confused or not understand my life. Right. that's okay. I can be happy regardless of ways that I might disappoint people along the way. I think this is also a good time to bring up that the cages that we have just spoken to are really heavy and, and deep issues. And although the book does discuss these topics, um, otherwise we wouldn't bring them up. Um, <laughs> she does it in a way that is um, full of imagery and lightheartedness and humor and so if if you are inspired to read this book after listening to how it helps influence our desire to start a podcast just recognize like there are wonderful <laughs> quotes in here that are going to yes. hit you and also you will laugh and yeah um, it's enjoyable I, I guess is what I'm trying to say <laughs> yes you won't feel as bogged down as you may feel after we just talked about our own <laughs> just for the last 30 minutes (laughs) okay so now that we've talked through um some of the cages um we are going to talk through some of the keys um that glennon references as ways to unlock the cages metaphorically um and so some of those things that she mentions that are also kind of buried when we're caged are our emotions our intuition imagination and our courage and so she says that some of the keys for women to open the doors of their own cages are first to feel it all so like even the really ugly feelings this is one that's really important to me because I feel like um not only am I trying to make myself feel it all but I'm trying to let other people feel it all my gut reaction is to fix people's emotions they're the ones that are quote unquote bad. Um, Mm. And so I'm just recognizing now that I don't need to do that and that I shouldn't do it. They're going to feel better after moving through that emotion. Um, My therapist likes to talk about emotions being a tunnel. And so you need to go through the whole tunnel. You can't just like block it off at a certain point and call it good. Um, And if they want help with a situation after they've had that emotional experience, they're going to ask me, I'm going to trust that they're going to ask me afterwards. So key number one, deal it all. And then number two is be still and know, um, which means like take time in silence to recognize your knowing. Um, and Glennon references doing this in her closet um, and finding her knowing as she was taking quiet time to herself in her closet. You don't have to be in your closet. You don't even have to be in a silent place, but being still just meaning slowing down, um, making sure to spend time with yourself and get in touch with those feelings. Key number three is to dare to imagine a truer life. Um, One of the great quotes she has on this is, instead of asking ourselves what is right or wrong, we should be asking ourselves what is true and beautiful. So recognize that like, if you're, if you're having that feeling, like, I don't want this, like, this isn't right for me, um, then what, it, what is right for you instead? And, and allowing yourself to kind of journey towards that. Towards that. that is Which is scary. Mm-hmm. Yep. Duh. Jinx. Yep. Scary is what I'd say too. <laughs> um, and then just to kind of close out, we just wanted to 
briefly mention at least a couple other highlights um, in terms of stories that she shared. Um, one of them was that she talks a lot about um, Eve, um, the story of Adam and Eve, and she says, maybe Eve was never meant to be our warning. Maybe she was meant to be our model. Own your wanting, eat the apple, and let it burn. Oh, love that quote. Mm-hmm. Um, so she talks a lot about like learning to trust your inner voice and how although Eve has been shamed um, globally for, um, at this point, uh, hundreds of uh, thousands of years <laughs> for her decision to eat the apple um, and trust her gut um, at the same time, if we're, if we're talking about this story as um, being like the origin of humankind, it was kind of important that she did that, that she ate the mm-hmm. apple, right? Um, and so, yeah, learning to trust our inner voice might mean also, again, letting people down around us, um, or disappointing others at the same time, like you have to trust that, you know, it's best for you. Mm-hmm. Another story that I really loved was, um, Glennon's second, uh, daughter. So the younger one, um, was sent home from school and the teacher said that there had been an incident in class and that this daughter had made most of the class members upset um, because of her quote hysterics about the ice caps melting and the pool dying and um, Glennon had this thought as she is preparing to talk to her daughter um, and says she's not crazy to be heartbroken over the polar bears the rest of us are crazy not to be and I feel like in this moment, I have been both Glennon's daughter and the teacher in the situation. I am a really high emotion feeler. And so for the longest time, I felt like I needed to minimize my emotions because I was told that I was overdramatic or too much. And that reaction to my emotions also led me want to wanting to minimize other people's emotions. Um, but this experience that she's highlighting, you know, just showcases that it's not abnormal to feel things strongly. I love this one so much. And I also feel like this, again, kind of reflects the origin of um, our podcast being a place where we both, I think, can Mm -hmm. say that we we feel things really strong. And I know I've said it before, my mom will like, say that I have a bleeding heart. Mm -hmm. And that's probably true. I I get really emotional about everything. (laughs) Um, And at the same time, I think our emotions are like our superpower, like, it's important that we know how to care about people and things outside of ourselves. And um, sometimes that might drive us crazy um, when it's a really heavy emotion that we feel like we're carrying around all the time. Um, but learning to honor our feelings and hold space for them and not w- actively work to minimize them is also a huge way that we come closer to living a life that feels more authentic to us and, and more fulfilling to us. So. We'll kind of shift gears a little bit into our challenge section. Um, I think the first thing that we are going to note here is that it's important to spend, again, that time being still and and trying to search for your own knowing. And a lot of that is going to require you setting aside meaningful time and dedicated time towards doing that. I don't think it's enough to just be like, oh, um, you know, today I have two minutes in between classes or in between work and dinner or whatever um, I do think that like it's important that it is dedicated time that you yeah. are setting aside and also make sure that it's realistic to your schedule right so yep. if you don't have the time that you can uh, let's say spend three hours um, every Tuesday doing something for yourself but you really want to do that um, 
make it realistic to your schedule right now and work yourself up. If that's something that you really want to do, I feel confident that you will get there. But starting off with that is going to make it seem impossible. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. And then keep a journal. So um, we have a couple questions that we will give you as some prompts. Um, Do you want to go through those, Ray? Yes. Um, One of them is, in what ways are you living out of harmony with your knowing? And so an untamed journal um, that has a bunch of these different prompts um, that you can reflect through. There are lots of different apps or journals that have these things pre-made but I think an important one to do today as a challenge is in what ways are you living out of harmony with your knowing um another thing that I want to recommend that you do in addition to keeping a journal and having time to yourself to reflect and be still is to take yourself on a date alone during the week it's going to feel uh really uncomfortable for you to just plan time for yourself alone it might even be an activity where you're like, ah, oh, so-and-so would love to do this with me, or I would love to do this with them. Reframe. Don't do it. Spend time alone on a date. That's so funny that you're like, this is going to be uncomfortable to you. I'm like, oh, everything I do is by myself. So this, like, this is, this is my comfort zone. So probably I need to challenge myself to go on an actual date as a challenge. But um, okay. And then, so Glennon's mom also talks about some certain experiences that she has um she talks about how like she hadn't seen Glennon be as alive as she was since she was 10 years old um so that kind of causes her mom to question like where did that spark go at 10 um and Glennon says like have I did I lose myself somewhere along the road um so we kind of just also want to challenge you to think through like what age were you at when you were the most you the most unaltered version of yourself Um, when you had like the most feelings and creativity and interests and then write down that age and think about what changed between then and now. And if you like some activities like this, you also might enjoy doing some inner child work as well. Yeah. I love that. Inner child work is the, is the bomb. Um, just to completely wrap this up overall, I feel like this book taught me a lot about trust, trusting myself and trusting that others will be honest with me. And I am done reading people's emotions and interpreting behavior a certain way, feeling constantly on edge. I can still be mindful and empathetic without needing to read people's minds and satisfy everyone. And most importantly, I am trusting myself before I seek outward advice and perspective, because after all, it's my life. So this is kind of like my formal uh, write-up to you all, and you can all keep me accountable um, on those specific things. We absolutely will. (laughs) Thank you, Kylie. I have no doubts. Um, Now for the bit where I say that we want your feedback on this episode and on our podcast as a whole. um, Like we said, this is our last episode of this season. um, So we'd love to hear what your thoughts are on that and ideas for future episodes. If you don't mind leaving us a review on Apple or Spotify podcast, we'd love you forever. We would. And then submit your but now what moments um, on our website and I'll give you a chance to be featured on socials, on the podcast, or potentially even motivate a future episode. So we also might be sending out some goodies to those who do feel comfortable enough submitting your but now at moments and leaving your name. Yeah, we might. We'll have extra time now that we are taking a little break so that we can, you know, formulate all those different merch and goodies and such. Look out for them coming soon, as well as Patreon in the next three days, which I've committed myself to. So, You're ambitious. 
that's all we have for you today. Thanks for listening and stay curious, folks. And remember to keep asking, but but now now what? what?